My next guest is a pop artist that originates from Seattle. He then went on to go to school at NYU and now lives in LA. He is currently signed to Epic Records, which is the home to Seattle's very own Travis Thompson. His new single, Sometimes Things Just Fall Apart, is out now. It's my pleasure to introduce Rents. The sun is where it always was. Did I spend my life just writing songs? Just to get on stage and sing them wrong. Is my happy ever after gone? Or was I really happy all along? Well, sometimes things just fall apart. And you'll never know how they'll go. Welcome back, everyone. Today I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Rents. Hey, what's good? <laughs> and I just want to know how do you go from living and um, starting your music career in Seattle to being on Epic Records? Like, that's freaking insane, dude. Um, with a lot of hard work and good people around you, right? Um, yeah, man. Yeah, so I'm in Seattle right now, actually. I don't know if you're using video or not, but I'm in Ooh. beautiful Seattle right now. Um, so, yeah, I started here. My career started here um, uh, through my high school. They had a fantastic music program, and I was really fortunate to learn from some amazing people, my teacher Jill in particular, as well as other friends that were just doing the thing. Um, and so I started producing. I built a studio here in Seattle while I was working in different jobs and stuff. Um, and I would bring artists in and produce for them or mix for them or just do whatever I could. Um, but I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a musician necessarily. You know, my parents have always been supportive of me, but, but they didn't see that as my career. Um, and I don't know that I did necessarily either. Um, I was always doing a lot of things, always loved sports, playing sports all year, every season, um, super into school and into learning, social life, all sorts of stuff. So um, it wasn't until I decided to go to NYU that I really became an artist. Um, or that's how I see it anyway. Um, I had to make a choice whether to go to NYU and be in the art school there um, or to go to a bunch of different other options that I had, but I would have just been undecided, undeclared major. Um, and something just told me I needed to go to New York and be in the city and be surrounded by what I what was my passion at the time, which has since become my job. So I spent three years in New York um, working full time, doing school, um, and just grinding as much as possible, making connections, meeting people, all those good things, so that eventually I could move out to LA after school and sign a record deal, or at least that was, you know, the tentative plan. And that's what I did. So, so here we are, you know, a that's year, crazy. a year after that, or nine months after that. Dude, time flies, though, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I pulled up in the AMG. Yeah, time oh, flies. <laughs> yeah, dude. That, that I, I had mixed feelings about that um, project when it first came out, but um the dark lane yeah tapes yeah i mean it's just a it's a collection of like leaked songs and like yeah yeah it's it's interesting i don't know i'm i'm always for more music you know like because like somebody's gonna find their favorite song on there so that's cool um Mm. yeah it doesn't upset me but i feel you yeah it's a weird (laughs) weird collection i think it's cool that you took the school route too to accomplish what you want to do like um 
I talk to a lot of like Seattle artists and some of them dead ass are like homeless doing this you know some sure. people taking a school route some people I have um, one of my friends Wikes I think he's um, going to school in France for music right now like mm. people people take their music journey in different spots but I think that's I think it's cool to see that you did the school route and then got signed like that's kind of like a dream come true yeah absolutely it was for me absolutely and you know both of my parents have worked incredibly hard their entire lives to make sure my brother and I had the best education that they could afford. Um, and so I did it for myself finishing school, but I also did it for them. It was just like, we've, I've come too far not to see this through. And, you know, I started taking label meetings when I was a freshman or early sophomore year. And they were all, the question they always asked was like, when are you going to drop out? Like, when can we do this full time? And I was like, I'm not going to drop out, but my, my concession is I'll, I'll do it faster. So I was able to finish in three years so that I could still take advantage of the opportunities while they were there, because that's important. Um, but I still wanted to get that degree. Cause at that point it was like, all right, I'm two years into NYU. I like being here. I feel like I'm learning a lot, especially pertaining to my career. I feel really lucky to have found my way to a program where I could learn about the things I would then be doing. And also to be frank, like I've given them so much money and like it doesn't make sense to like give up now it's like yeah. you're just like folding on your investment you know what i mean so at least give me the piece of paper that says i did it and then i'll know that i did it you know finishing things has always been a part of who i am um and i want to keep that attitude going forward yeah for sure you're always at an advantage if you go to school like whether you actually enjoy school or not like you get you learn skill sets even though if you hate it during it like i've definitely like even I, there's some people who drop out of high school. I can't imagine dropping out of high school and starting right. music. Like you, just even finishing high school, you learn how to speak better. Even you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So how did it turn out that you and Travis Thompson are both signed to the same label and you're both from Seattle? That's insane. Completely random. Completely <laughs> random. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know Travis too well, but I know his manager, um, Shelton, super well. We used to go to all the same shows in Seattle and always be in the front at Bumber Shoot together. And like, you know, like we weren't kicking it outside of that, but I always saw him around. So no, it's a, I think maybe there's something to be said for the attitude that comes out of Seattle that I feel like Epic also fosters really well, um, mm-hmm. just in terms of like being who you are, doing what you do and believing what you believe in. So maybe we both ended up there because of that. But otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so my um my guest I had on yesterday, Jaron Benton, he um was recently signed to Rock Nation and then um I guess in January he didn't think they were doing enough for him, so he's back independent. Mm. But um uh it was like a general question, but I was like, So because you're part of that record label, I bet you get to meet all those artists and he's like, That's kind of a it's a stereotype kind of myth that you don't really that doesn't really work for you just because you're part of that rec label doesn't mean you've actually made those connections with those other artists so mm. how has the case been for you have you been able to connect with any of those artists from your record de- label or uh, sometimes um when it's appropriate um mm. i definitely give my the people i'm signed to a, at the label my full trust um and like when the time is right i i meet the people that i need to meet um but at the same time just because someone like Travis Scott is signed to Epic Records doesn't necessarily like, Oh, it'd be great to meet him. Don't get me wrong. I'm a diehard Travis Scott fan, but like it doesn't, it's not necessary right now. It's not necessarily like the next career move for me. So I don't feel like the label is not letting me meet those people. Like if, if it was appropriate, if I was working on a song that I wanted to have 
at least get across his you know his desk or his studio or whatever i feel like i could they could make that happen um but some artists that are more in my lane i spend lots of time with art pop artists like uh, aj mitchell or john k a lot of the people that are signed to epic that are like my contemporaries i do see mm. from time to time and we hang out connected online and you know, all that stuff so it's weird like once i um started getting into media and music as well like um you kind of lose like the fanboyness really fast of course like if it's like a jay-z or i, I guess travis scott even counts at that point like you still might be like in awe but you, you kind of start to see like artists as just people as well you know yeah and i think for me there's not a lot of awe because or maybe like if i meet kanye west or something there is awe for like a few seconds but then it's immediately like okay what can i contribute like how can i make my value known to this person um, in ways that I can help them and they can help me and whatever. So there's not really time, in my view, there's not time for like, oh my God, you know, this is great. Like, it's like, okay, this is, <laughs> I look up to you, you're incredible, that's it. End of that, now how can I make myself useful to you so that you can see my worth and my value, you know? Mm -hmm. So with a lot of Seattle artists, whether they're going to school or not, they, um, cause you went straight from high school to college, right? Or, mm -hmm. so, what I've seen is that like a lot of artists are trying to make their name by going to all these concerts, whether they're actually performing or just being there, connecting with all the other Seattle artists. Did you still do that while you were in high school or did you just go from practicing yeah. and putting out some songs? Or? No, um, absolutely. I, uh, in high school, I was always at shows as a fan. I still go to shows all the time as a fan. I'm a music fan. It's what, it's what got me into being an artist in the first place was just the love of music and of singing other people's songs that made me want to write my own songs that other people can sing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So no, I, in high school, I was always at shows. Um, I got to know a lot of the people that threw the shows. Eventually I was like DJing for different artists in Seattle or producing for them or mixing for them or even just like like working the shows, like not, not necessarily having a specific job, but just being around to be helpful. And you know, if anybody needed anything while they were here, while they were performing or whatever. So yeah, um, I, I wasn't releasing a ton of my own music at the time. I was more working with other artists um, because I felt like I didn't have a ton to say at the time. Like I had, I didn't have a ton of life experiences. I mean, obviously I had growing up like everybody does, but I, I didn't feel like I had anything pressing that I really needed to share. So I was more focused on behind the scenes. And of course I was making fun music with my friends and what, you know, but not doing it super seriously until later on. Mm. Yeah. I am. Um... That's something I guess I noticed, like, a, like a, if you, whether you're a full-time rapper or a SoundCloud rapper, like, you don't always have to tell the truth about what's happening, but, like, there's, like, more storytelling, both pop, <laughs> there's not really a lot of pop songs saying you're killing people or, like, having to make up a story, so and, I guess I get that. <laughs> it depends what you consider pop music. Mm. <laughs> that is true. So, with from previous interviews I've heard from you, like, you kind of don't like to journalize your music either is that like on purpose or are you just what do you mean? always evolving like it seems like you are you're all you're on that pop category but it doesn't seem like you were like you want everyone to be like oh this guy's just a pop artist you you always talking about how your sound is always evolving mm -hmm. is that because is there, is there like a point you're looking for or do you just like to be like a maybe like a Tyler the creator who you never get the same song on each album like he went from that that's exactly like, no that's exactly mm -hmm. what I want to be um I mean, like I was raised on the production of Kanye West and of artists who, my favorite artists have always been the ones that were doing their thing regardless of what was popular or cool at the time, whatever they thought was dope. Um, so that's what I try and do too. Like 
And that's a big part of why I definitely fall under pop music, especially as the category of pop music expands wider and wider and wider to encompass everything from like indie rock to hip hop to trap music to EDM is flown into is thrown into pop music, excuse me. Um, yeah, no, I never I never want to be just one thing. I, I think I think that misses the point. There's certainly a place for that, but for me it's about creativity. It's about um, me being my, my authentic self and my music being a reflection of me. So as I grow and change, so should my music. And I think mm. if you if you don't let the music grow and change with you, then you're holding it back from its greatest potential. You know? For sure. Do you, um, so I definitely connect with like a lot of different artists in the Seattle, but when you were coming up, did you see there being like a pop scene or do you think you're kind of a black sheep in that? Um, again, I think it depends on what you call pop music, right? Because someone like Macklemore, who, um, you know, we grew my friends and I grew up going to his shows when it was like a hundred people or whatever is, was like a hip hop artist. Right. But then some of his music is certainly considered pop music, right? Can't hold us or any of the songs that went to radio and did their thing. Um, so I don't think there was a large pop scene in Seattle but there has always been a large influential scene in Seattle, more than I think people give credit, right? Thinking back to Nirvana or Pearl Jam or any of the uh, Jimi Hendrix, right? Like acts that have come out of Seattle have sh have shaped and shifted culture. And so that's that's what I want to be. For sure. Do you uh, do you see the people who like stayed in Seattle, like the Sir Mix-a-Lots or the Macklemore's making sure they're checking in with artists like yourself? I know like Macklemore and Travis Thompson are like this basically, but like, do you see that same love for you at all or? No, um, at least mm. not necessarily. I definitely have um, in different circles, like the people that I connected with before, I'm still close with in Seattle. Um, but also I'm, I'm a bit, Seattle is my home. It's where my, it's where I spent the most time growing up. But I also lived in Washington DC before that. And then mm. after I lived in Seattle, I lived in New York for three years and now I live in Los Angeles. So I think a lot of that moving around has, has maybe created some separation between myself and those artists. Not in a good or a bad way at all, just in a geographic way. Like they're here doing their thing and, I, and I'm mostly not in Seattle these days. I'm in Los Angeles working on stuff or you know, the past few months before this pandemic, I was on tour all over and doing stuff. So you know, just on the move and on the go. So no, it, I haven't necessarily been in contact with those bigger Seattle artists, but I don't hold it against them at all, you know, right. no worries. It's all good. I'm sure they're doing yeah. their thing, you know. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, we just, like, I guess the Macklemore is like the first people person people think of, but um, more like Sir Mix-a-Lot. So it's not sure. like you're like, it's not like there's a whole Seattle Illuminati that you're just missing out on. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. We'll start, I'll start it, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what do you think about Seattle's music scene compared to like now you've been part of New York and LA do you think Seattle has some stepping up to do or do you think they're just moving on their own time good question um I think they will always be different like the what I loved about being in New York was the pace like mm. there's just no way for you not to be moving and grinding in New York unless you're like not getting anywhere like I say, like, I mean, maybe that's confusing, but I mean, like, in New York, either you're grinding and you're always, like, working and doing your thing or the city just, like, swallows you. So I feel like that's really uh, reflected in the music scene. Um, in L.A., 
the music scene is more spread. There's a lot of people doing music, probably like the most out of anywhere in the world. I don't know if that statistic is true, but it feels like it is certainly when I'm there. Um, so that kind of paints the music scene too. There's a huge range of music from all sorts of people. And there's also a lot of competition because there's so many artists doing similar things, trying to get the coveted spots at labels or placements with blogs or, you know, what have you, Spotify placements, Apple placements, whatever. Um, and in Seattle, I feel like the scene is certainly a little bit smaller, um, but I've seen new artists popping up out of Seattle all the time and then I gotta give props to. I'm, I've always been on the mindset that I am for everybody winning. It doesn't mean that if, if, if I win, someone else has to lose. Like, I don't think that's how it has to be, especially when music is more accessible than ever. It's the easiest time to get into music because all you need is a computer and a microphone that you can get at Best Buy or whatever, or Guitar Center or whatever. Um, but that also just means that there's a lot of music out there, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I have no, I have no issues with with any of the places. I think they all offer different, different tastes and flavors to their to their individual scenes. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty awesome, though, to have lived in Seattle, New York, LA. That's a, those are all three different environments. All you have to do now is like move to Atlanta for like only even three months. Right. I know. I should. I know. <laughs> I love Atlanta. It's one of my favorite cities. Mm. So what? Uh, what made you decide to grow your hair out, man? You um, you reminded me of like a, of, of white. What's his name? Um, what's this guy's name? The guy who just, oh, it's uh. Who's that guy that made a song with um, Kanye a few years ago called "You Mad"? Vic Mensa. You, Vic you Mensa. Kind of me, I love Vic. You reminded Mensa. me of Vic Mensa with the when he had with his, the buzz uh, cut. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've just. It's kind of, I've just always been a proponent of change and like switching things up. And I, I had like, I grew, I grew up my hair, but this is the hair I had before to mostly, um, mm. before I had a buzz cut. And I, I had this hair for a long time and I got a buzz cut because I literally one day I walked into a barbershop, my favorite place in New York, um, on East 13th street uh, on the mark, they're the boys. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I went to go get a haircut and I was just like, shave it off. Like just randomly because I, I like, I just needed like a vibe switch, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then I rocked that for a while until I got bored of that and then started growing it out again, especially okay. because of the pandemic, like no haircuts. I was like, well, this is the perfect time for me to grow my hair out, um, mm. you know? And yeah, yeah, now we'll see. I think I'll keep it like this for a little while. Eventually I'll probably go like long, long. We'll see, mm -hmm. keep things interesting, you know? It's crazy how much like hair can be like a statement nowadays. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I guess always in like the 80s even too, like with their fucking crazy ass hair. I guess hair is Absolutely. always a statement. Always, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's you, it's it's who you are, it, at least what people judge you off, you know? Like, mm. <laughs> unfortunately, but like it's the truth. Yeah. yeah, that's why I grow mine out. This has been like almost two, almost three years now. Damn, so. hell yeah. Respect yeah. and commitment, yeah. Yeah, definitely gets hot in the summertime, so I gotta braid it up sometimes, but. Right, right, right. So something I also noticed about artists in Seattle who have actually like been able to make a name for themselves they they work with artists that people wouldn't think about to like work with like you like work with like Noah Cyrus things like that like I've seen like a lot of artists like work with out of the box artists that Seattle artists wouldn't expect to work with mm. do you see that at all? Interesting yeah um, yeah there's a new uh, Lil Mosey Tate McRae song coming out soon which will be dope um mm. She's a she's a really cool pop artist from New York, I believe. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's just about ingenuity, you know. Like, um, I feel so lucky to have worked with Noah. She's fantastic, both you know professionally and just as a friend. Um, and 
mm, I don't know, maybe this, I feel like this is fair to say. I think that in, in order to get out of the Seattle scene and to make a name for yourself, you have to come up with some creative ways to make that happen. And one of the ways to do that is by thinking outside of the box and working with people that wouldn't necessarily be directly associated with you. You know what I mean? Mm. And just kind of having a little bit of the shock factor. And if you can work with somebody, my favorite thing is collaboration. So if you can work with somebody that isn't like you and isn't necessarily making the same stuff as you, but make a great product together that bridges the two worlds, I feel like that can be super successful. Yeah, for sure. It's it's just, um, I think it's really interesting because I think a lot of artists in Seattle, I think it's important to collaborate with artists in Seattle with, with each other, but nowadays it's really important to like connect with people like outside of the box also because so many people are making music so it's not even like a cosign anymore it's the creativity that's more important right yeah and it doesn't have to be just music like um last i was home a few months ago i did a merch collab with this sick artist uh visual like screen painting artist g buck um who's here in seattle like we just did a merch collab just because we mm. wanted to do something together and make something interesting so like there's always opportunities you know for sure do you think it's important for Seattle artists to leave Seattle and then come back? Or do you think they can just plant the roots here and grow? Or yeah, You can do whatever the fuck you want. I, you know, I don't <laughs> think, uh, seriously, I don't, I don't think, I think there's no wrong way to do anything. Like there's no wrong way to live life. Just whatever you're doing, do it, you know, hmm. commit to what you're doing. If you want to be here and build a scene here, um, you absolutely can do that. Make yourself big, so big that people have to come to you. You know, or if you want to venture out and then come back, or if you want to venture out and not come back, it's whatever, wherever your heart takes you, you know? For sure. So what made you uh, decide to move to LA and like, instead of moving back to Seattle, is it because of connection to the studios or? Um, not really so much to do with studios. I, I mean, I'm a producer too, right? I was a producer first. So I, I have a studio in my house in LA. I have a studio that I built here in my house in Seattle. I had a studio when I was in New York. Um, I've always brought the studio with me and I obviously work in lots of professional studios too when I want to or need to but studios aren't necessarily the thing for me it's it's just about being in the scene like you know a lot of the people I end up working with in LA I just meet at parties or like I just met wow. on the street or like at a at a event or something or at like an industry event and that's where all those events are you know so to take advantage of those opportunities you kind of have to be where they are like you know some people I'm working with now I met at a at a Grammy, at a Spotify, like Grammy party or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just being there is, you know, you're in, you're in, how do I say? Like being in people's vision and being in their minds is, is really important. Being top of mind, spending that FaceTime and just, you never know who you're going to meet. And I feel like um, the same is possible here in Seattle, but it's so concentrated in the city like LA or New York, but I feel like even more LA that you just never know what's possible. Do you kind of you grew up in a you grew up in Seattle and now you're going to these different mm -hmm. places? Do you kind of have a different perspective of Seattle now now that you've been able to leave, come back, but still have a house in LA? Or right, um, I love Seattle to death. You know, I feel like it's a huge part of who I am um, in terms of my values. Um, I am a big proponent of the outdoors and of taking care of the earth and of all sorts of things that I feel like were really instilled in me. Um, and even my my like cross genre music is a product of Seattle. Seattle was never the city that played by the rules in any genres. Um, and I feel like I soaked a lot of that up. I think being away just makes me love Seattle even more. I always am itching to come back here and 
I don't get back here quite as much as I would like to, even though I get back here a fair amount. You know what I mean? Like I always want to be coming back here and spending time here. It feels like a place I could definitely live in a little while, but right now I just got to be where the opportunities are for me specifically. For sure. That definitely makes sense. So how was the, I'm guessing you took a plane here, right? How was the- Grab some water. I'm listening. How was the procedure doing Uh, that? I did not. I did not take a plane. I drove here. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. 20 hours, baby. Wow. Did you take a stop here and there then, or did you just power? Yeah, I stopped in Oregon for like a day. Hmm. Smart move, though. I wouldn't take a plane right now. No way. <laughs> Mm-mm. It's just, what are you, what are your opinions on this um, Chaz and Chop stuff in Capitol Hill? You know, I think it. I think. Hmm. I think that. It is a beautiful experiment in what life looks like without police. And it makes me really sad that networks like Fox News are proven to have been running like falsified images showing like, you know, like people using force or like, you know, people with guns or whatever in the zone. Because from what I've seen personally, as I've been here, it is a very peaceful place. Like people are dancing and singing and watching educational movies about the history of race in this country. So to me, it feels like a very positive space and kind of an experiment for what a potential future could look like. Um, I think it, it, the one place that I um, maybe diverge is in the branding of it. Like, I absolutely support defunding police departments. I think it is a necessary change. But my worry is that and this is just from personal experience and conversations I've had with my relatives who are more conservative, who are older in different parts of the country that are not in a, in a very urban mixed city like Seattle or like mm-hmm. any, you know, any like modern city is that to them, something like Chaz or the, the slogan defund the police really scares them because they see it as, oh, there's just gonna be criminals everywhere and like there'll be no accountability for anything. And it's like, no, that's not the point. So where I diverge is I think we have to be very careful about how we, how things are branded and how they're presented to people who are not immediately familiar with the situation. For sure. I think even people who are talking about defund the police, I think they need to maybe even be more educated on, so yeah, you right. defunded the police, but what happens after that? You have to right. have like a strict thing, what's going and, on. And you know, it's easy enough thing to, if you, if you put the time in to Google it or see what it means, um, that's great, but a lot of people won't even get that far. You know what I mean? Like, they see to defund the police, and they think, "Oh, that's ridiculous! Like, we need the police. Like, I, my brother's a police officer, and like, I don't want him to lose his job. You know, like, there's a million reasons, right? So, I think the last thing I want to do as a white as a white male is to be like grammar policing or speech <laughs> policing. Like, no, I'm serious. Like, that's not my role. Like, nobody needs to be doing that. All I'm offering is that, from my perspective. I want to make sure that these changes happen. And I think in order for that to be the case, we need to be very careful about how the information is received and given. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you do have a new single coming out. Do you think it's important for musicians right now to make sure that when they put out music that it has to do with what's going on right now? Or do you think it's also maybe the musician's job to maybe put them in a different mindset that's just like a happy mindset right. not making them think about what's going on because I know for rap at least it's kind of like a given if you're a hip hop artist it's kind of like your job to like 
be against the system in a sense and say what's going on, speak your mind or anything like that. But I feel like Pop's kind of like a different category. He might take it in a different approach. Like, how are you going about all It's this? a good question. Um, it's something I've thought about a lot. Um, it's something that I, I want to purposely be very careful about um, and intentional about. Um, in terms of releasing music, I don't think that the music needs to be directly about what's going on because I think there is validity in giving people an escape, um, giving people a, a song to provide them with a mental break, even if it's only for three minutes or two minutes, three and a half minutes. Um, so I think there's value there for sure. Um, because I know in some of my hardest moments, having music that cheered me up was the best thing and the thing that I needed. I didn't necessarily want to be inundated with more and more about the same thing. But that's not to say that music shouldn't be about what's going on. I think absolutely it should be. Um, I'm wary and I have a lot of conversations with collaborators, people on my team, people in various communities here in Seattle and Los Angeles, um, spanning a whole you know range of race and background um, that I want to be careful like if I'm speaking about what's going on that I'm doing it in the right way because I am a white male and that's an important distinction that I feel like people don't put at the forefront you know like obviously I want to be helpful I've been working really hard to figure out how can I be most helpful right now and so far that has been doing a raffle to raise money for three amazing Black Lives Matter charities or um, I donated like the proceeds of my last song to Color of Change, like just figuring out how I can be helpful um, in my position, um, but also be sensitive to what needs the attention right now and not to take up too much of that digital and physical music. Yeah, for sure. It's all about being educated with what's going on. It's not being just saying, oh, I have this white privilege, so I want to help. That's not being educated. You have to be like, right. it's, it's about being people like the police whether it's defunding or if they're attacking black people it's not like they're just attacking black people either it's like at this point this whole thing I feel like George Floyd was more of a catalyst versus this all just being a, directly about this one no guy. certainly certainly yeah I feel like just that video was so visceral and like you know it like it would be really I imagine it would be really hard and the, the data has shown right of overwhelming majority of people I think like 71 or 76 percent in the U.S. now see police brutality as a problem, you know, officially according to a study by the Associated Press. So like, um, you know, that video was so visceral and clear that it's really hard, I think, for someone to watch that and not see any problem. You know what I mean? Like, there are certainly people that feel that way. Um, I certainly do not feel that way. But um, I feel like that video in particular was just so visceral that everybody's been at home, right? We've been in quarantine. Everybody's on their phone all day or their laptop or whatever, reading the news. So when something like that happens, it's exactly like you said, a catalyst. You know, racism has been as bad as it is now or worse for 400 years, give or take, right? But now it's being filmed. So now people are seeing it more than ever before. So I feel like that's where a lot of the of the change is starting to happen in a good way. At least, at least people are paying attention. For sure there. The waking up, if one thing happened during this whole quarantine, people are more or less waking up to whether it's who they are mm -hmm. as a personal person or what's mm -hmm. going on, on the outside. It's There's definitely pros and cons to this whole thing that's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a hard time. You know, it's a tricky time right now. I, I It frustrates me. Um, 
in a lot of ways, but also I'm hopeful in a lot of ways. I've seen some positive changes starting slowly and hopefully we can continue those. So. For sure. So is it important for you to connect with like your Seattle audience or because you've lived in so many places now, is it more important for you to just connect with everyone or do you make it like a special place in your heart to make sure I have the Seattle audience, they know who I am. If I'm walking down the street, they're like, oh my gosh, it's Reds. He <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care about that part of it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I certainly do hold a special place in my heart for Seattle. Like when we play a show in Seattle, I, I put as much thought into it as possible to the point of going crazy, you know, because like it's important. Like the two, not the most recent tour, but the one before that, the last show was at the show box at the market. Mm. And like, that's the venue that I've been seeing people in for years and years and years. So to play there was incredible. And we put me and my team, my tour manager and I, and my, my bandmates put so much thought into the stage design, into what our set would be like, our movement. Um, but that being said, I really try and give my all to every single crowd that I play for. You know, after every show, I'm, I'm in the crowd meeting as many people as want to meet me or as much time as we have before we get kicked out, even if we're meeting outside <laughs> afterwards, taking pictures, grabbing a beer, getting food, whatever, because those connections are, are why I love touring so much. I obviously love performing. I'm a musician. I'm a performer. But, you know, you spend so much time in the studio or in your room or whatever writing these songs to see them react on stage and to see people enjoy them or cry because of them or just like have a good time or smile or be happy that they're alive for a moment um that's what it's all about yeah for sure and that's actually one of my favorite um concert venues the the one in the marketplace mm -hmm. with like the bars like around them and in the stage oh, so sick so sick <laughs> so rents what is some advice that you have actually i want to know this is a simple question but like if your name actually isn't <laughs> rents what is the meaning behind rents i actually do not know it's not that complicated <laughs> yeah um i uh my name is well we'll start earlier so i've had a lot of names under various artist projects none of which meant anything to me like i was just picking <laughs> random names um not to say that your name necessarily has to mean anything to you but like I was just picking things that I thought were clever or kind of funny or like, you know, random, whatever. And then eventually my music teacher, Jill, was like, you know, you really need to think about this. If you're going to do this seriously, it's important, right? You know, obviously artists can change their name as they, as they feel like it. But as you're establishing a brand, it's really important to pick something strong that you can see on a billboard, but that also feels personal and connected to you. So I looked to one of my favorite artists, Drake. And I said, okay, how did Drake get his name? His name is Aubrey Drake Graham. And my name is Jackson Lawrence Hirsch. So I took a look at my middle name, which is Lawrence. But Lawrence felt wrong. It felt like a different <laughs> genre or something. So I just took Rents on the end. And it's cool for me. I mean, I love the name Rents. I think it's succinct. It's to the point. I like the one name, the one, mm -hmm. the, you know, the one word name, um, Beyonce vibes or whatever. Um, <laughs> but also, it, Lawrence is a family name on both my mom's side and my dad's side. So it feels very, you know, close to my heart. In that way. Yeah, for sure. Okay, but what what genre would be Lawrence? I don't know any. I don't even know what genre that. I don't be. know. It, it kind of <laughs> sounds like. It depends how you say it. It sounds like it could be like a jazz thing, or maybe like country. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like, cool. if it wasn't me, if it was someone else, I just don't feel like a Lawrence really. You know? <laughs> yeah, I see that. Rents fits you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> but your your hair it reminds me of like, 
you could be like the fourth member of the Jonas Brothers with your hair right now. That's that's what I would I, I would be. <laughs> Tell him for me next time you see him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know who was actually on? T- I saw him. He was like right before the quarantine. Drake Bell was on tour for some reason, and I thought that was hilarious. Hell yeah, that's what's up. Good for Drake. Good for Drake. Yes. I do a mean cover of the song from the Drake and Josh theme song that I play oh. sometimes. Yeah, it's oh, sick. Shit. I gotta look that Super up. Fun. <laughs> So now the question, what is some advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? Um, the advice that I, that I think is super pertinent is there is a lot of stuff being created right now. And I'm speaking more to maybe artists rather than influencers in this specific piece of advice, but like, I think it's really, really important to put the hours in so that you know that what you're creating is undeniably of a certain level of quality. So from there, it might not be someone's favorite song and that's fine. You're not gonna make everyone's favorite song, Mm -hmm. but they can't knock it on quality. They can't say this is like bad, right? So they might say this is, I don't like this or like it's not my vibe, but if you can if you can spend all the hours and it's it's always more hours than you think of really just putting your head down and working, that way, once you try and bring that to the world, you have met that certain threshold. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and it's more hours than you think. I understand the excitement, right? When I made my first song in eighth grade, I was obviously stoked, you know what I mean? I was <laughs> like, this is it, like, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? But like, that song was garbage, you know? But it's important to know that, you know? And I feel like it's hard to have that perspective. So I think that the artists and creatives and people in whatever pursuits, whatever they're pursuing, if you can have some perspective that what I'm making right now as I'm starting might not be my best, but that's okay, it's really important. Because if you have that perspective and you know that you need to work hard and put the hours in and you put those hours in, you will be where you need to be. You know what I mean? Sure. I think that I think that's my advice. It is good advice, and you're an educated man, so people should take that. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> very you know, seriously. <laughs> it's up to them. Make their own judgments. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you've definitely done it, man. Like you. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm trying. <laughs> you know, it's a tricky. Sure. You know, it's a hard. It's a. It is obviously here's you know more perspective for any young artist that may, might be listening is just that it is hard. It's not easy. It's not. You know, you got to be getting into this for the right for the right reasons. If you're if you're in it for the money, music is the worst entertainment industry to be in, right? Like sex, the worst sector of the entertainment industry. It's like the lowest income in terms of like movie, film, you know, TV, whatever. So like, mm-hmm. don't be in it for the wrong reasons, or you won't last. But if you're here because you want to be doing this, you love doing this, then just do it. There's nothing to it but to do it. You know what I mean? Like. Do your thing, do it with a full heart and believe in yourself 110%, be your own best advocate and you can do whatever you want, truly. For your, sure, man. your future is in your hands. And I would add that I'm always, <laughs> no, I would also add that I'm always here. I, I make a point to always do my best to respond to DMs. I know I'm behind to the people that are gonna hear that and be pissed at me and I haven't responded to them, but like I really do my best every day. I take time to talk to people. I listen to everything people send me of their songs and beats or whatever. So find me instagram is usually the best way to reach me if, if people want to ask questions or say what's up or whatever i'm always with so what is your instagram handle for people who don't know it instagram handle is rents r-e-n-c-e plain and simple Bam. but yeah man what's the do you want to promote your new song that's coming out this i suppose drop? i should huh that's yeah. probably 
Uh, promotion, promotion, promotion. You know, they don't tell you when you decide you want to be a musician that you're going to actually be like a businessman and promoting mm -hmm. shit all the time. But it's a big part of the job. So to, to you young people, get, get ready for that. Yeah, you know, okay, this next song is called Sometimes Things Just Fall Apart. And it has an interesting backstory. I, I started the song like three and a half years ago, actually. So I think it's officially the longest I've worked on any one piece of art. Um, and I obviously was not working on it continuously for that time, but picked it up and let it go and picked it up and let it go. Um, I started the song when I was in Rhode Island at my uncle's house. It was just me and my uncle staying there. And I was in the living room like two o'clock in the morning. And I, all I had was my laptop. I didn't have headphones. I didn't have like speakers or a guitar or a microphone or anything like that. So I was just like, you know what? I'm in a really unique situation right now. Let's see what I can do. Like, who knows, right? You never know when greatness is going to come. Maybe it'll come in this Rhode Island living room that I have only been in twice before. You know what I mean? So so I was sitting there and I started working and all of this, the sentiment of the song and the hook of the song for the most part just came pouring out of me. Um, and the the original demo is really different than this, the shape of the song now, you know, three years later, whatever, but the energy has always been there. And so when I wrote it, I was just that line of the hook sometimes things just fall apart like i was just feeling crushed about a lot of things that felt like they were out of my control you know like mm -hmm. i was so consumed and worried about things that i had no bearing over um and i just had to come to the conclusion that sometimes no matter how hard you try no matter how hard you fight to keep things together they're gonna fall apart and the better you are at accepting that, the better you're going to be at moving moving forward from that and using it as as knowledge and as fuel for what's ahead. So that's how the song started. Um, and then I worked on it for a while. Um, I started working with a friend of mine, but didn't really like the direction it was going or like, you know, just didn't really come together. And then eventually when I was back out, back in LA or not back when I was out in LA, I the song stayed with me. And if a song stays with me for that long, I, I gotta believe it's it's something. So so finish it up and, and here it is. And the video, I'm in love with the video. It's super it's sick. You saw it? Yeah. Okay, amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Um, shout out to the Overcast guys who we did the video with um, out in Arizona. Um, and that'll be out soon. So, or maybe already out by the time this is, by the time this think, is live. So. I think we're- Right around the same. Yeah, same you know. time. Yeah. But yeah, um, thanks for taking time on your day to do this. Interview. Oh my goodness! Thank you for having me. I I really appreciate it so much. I I don't I know your time is valuable, so I I'm really grateful. Yours too, man. <laughs> hey, much love. Likewise, you know. For sure. Well, this is the NAS podcast with Rents. Peace. <laughs>